I don't know about your Facebook page, but mine's blowing up over uh, the whole issue of immigration and such. Uh, so much so that it appears overwhelming at times, and you just kind of say, why do I even bother with this? Um, I want to make a couple comments in association with that. Um, the, most of us don't really know whether even the news we're getting is accurate, and so there needs to be a tempering of what we do that way. And we should, if we're passing stuff on, at least know that it's legitimate. Um, secondly, um, if, if we have no power to um, transform things, then we should be very careful about what we're even stepping into. In other words, we can move in prayer, but if it's, you know, passing on rhetoric... Uh, that probably doesn't do much value. Um, thirdly, uh, our, the course of our lives is to be compassionate. And so obviously there is a concern and a desire to see immigration and things like that to help those who are impoverished or in need. But nowhere are we asked to live with naivety that uh, assumes that uh, we just let evil trample us. And so there is that contrast that we have to rely on others to work out in such a way that we have a compassionate response, nevertheless not based in naivety or foolishness. Um, that said, one of the things that strikes me currently is that even though most of us are Republican and we at times have said, well, Obama needs to get his, um, whether we agree with him or not, much of what's going on with him right now is a similar character assassination that we despised when it happened to Bush. And we've got to be very, very careful that way. We have a responsibility to pray for him no matter what. And so just put that out to you and, and say, uh, this is something that needs careful consideration when you step into those waters. And uh, that said... I want to go through this whole thing of uh, uh, being ambassadors of the gospel as per Mark 10, or Matthew 10, excuse me. Uh, because in some ways, uh, our gospel is to be assertive. It is to be outdoors. Uh, it's not just about gathering here and having sweet experiences in the Spirit. But we are told to go make disciples. And that, coming out of Matthew 28 is a very clear declaration that there is an assertiveness or a, an aggressiveness in regard to our gospel that goes to the lost and says, we have something of hope for your life. We have a way of seeing you restored in relationship with God. And so we, we walk through that and say, your sin can be forgiven. There is hope for you in your relationships as you put your relationship with God back together. And, and so in walking through those things, uh, there's a knowledge that that isn't an indoor gospel. It's an outdoor gospel. It, it's something that's lived out in the community. It, it's not just for inside a building here. And that said, some of the nuts and bolts of what we are participant in and what we do is really 
spoken of by Jesus in this Matthew 10. The chapter starts where he's sending out the 12, but it moves into discourse about what happens when you take the gospel out, so to speak, and what's involved with that. In fact, uh, Matthew is known as the, the gospel of discourse, and, and by that I mean long stretches of Jesus' teaching are listing there. That's why you have the Sermon on the Mount, you know, five through seven. You have these portions or these chunks where he's teaching. And so in Matthew 10, there is the sending out of the 12, but it appears to me even in like about the 16th verse or so, there is a branching out of something that has a, a wider influence than just the sending out of the 12. There's a teaching going on that Jesus would have been declaring things regularly through his ministry, and the writer is pulling these things together and saying, this is, this is what he taught as he was sending people out. And so you have the initial sending of the 12, but you also have a wider application of that later on in this chapter. And that's one of the things I want to draw your attention to. So um, in that first verse, he gathers the 12, he gives them power to force out evil spirits and heal every kind of disease and sickness. So even in this sending out, there is something very, very powerful going on, but it's in regard to the kingdom of God. And I guess there's this hunger and thirst to me that says, unless I am participant in similar things, I have not discovered the fullness of all that he has to, to work in and through my life as I participate in the taking out of the gospel. And so there is this, this hunger that says, I, I want to participate in and practice such things because uh, that's what Jesus was about while he was on earth. And, and he was, in a sense, he was rebuilding what evil had destroyed. He was setting in place a, a, a healing of what had, had, had come about in destruction. And, and so in our lives, there is always this desire to see evil driven back and, and the goodness of God put in its place. The listing of the 12, it goes on in verses 2 through 4, and then this localized sending where he says to the 12 in that sending out, he says, stick to Israel. They're like a lost flock, and as you know, the gospel came through the Jews, and so in that setting, he's sending out the 12 and saying, I want you to stick around here, but I want you to get this done. Now, later on, they're going to return and say, it was incredible what took place. Even the even submitted to us, and, and Jesus is going, well, rejoice that your name's written in heaven. You know, not just the splash, but the eternal is, is significantly more important here. But also, what we need to note is when Jesus is talking about uh, the struggle and the, the suffering that can be a part of this, that wasn't the experience of the 12 in their initial sending out. You can pull that together from other verses. So that's what makes me think that this is, this is not just, uh, this starts with the 12, but it also is the writer saying this is part of the picture of when you go out and present the gospel. Okay. He sends them out. He says, the kingdom of heaven will soon be here. Heal the sick, raise the dead, force out demons. He goes on in the tenth or the eighth verse. You received without paying, now give without being paid. Don't take any gold, silver, or copper coins. Don't carry a traveling bag. Workers deserve their food. 
Now later, I'll, I'll get into that, but you know, he, he gives different orders when they're in the Last Supper. You know, and he's saying, if you need a traveling bag, get it. If you've got a purse, take it along. So there are, there are other dimensions of this wider than just this chapter, or wider than just the setting of the 12, excuse me. It says, when you go to a home, give it your blessing of peace. If it's a home deserving, let your blessing remain with them. But if the home isn't deserving, take back your blessing of peace. If someone won't welcome you or listen to your message, leave the home and shake the dust off your feet. So he's, he's just saying, uh, go where you're accepted and let them receive of it. If they don't, just move on. Shake the dust off your feet. It says it's not a good thing for them, but that's the reality. Then he goes on. He says, I'm sending you out like lambs into a pack of wolves. Oh, goody. <laughs> this is, to me, that wider picture. And he's saying, you are going out in an inoffensive fashion. This isn't about conquering the world politically. This isn't about des destroying others or, or you know, sub pushing your will onto others. He says, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. But then he goes on to say, be as wise as snakes or cunning. And that was the association with that. And he says, understand that there's, there's a wisdom that you're going to have to practice if that's the way that you're going out. Innocent as doves. So he says, you know, that you, you're carrying this, this dual thing. You're trying to be wise, you're not just walking in naivety. You're not just, you know, stepping forward and, and letting anything take place. But you are, you are walking with a, a cunning or a wisdom. It's interesting to me in Proverbs, it says, A wise man can take down a city full of soldiers. Wisdom has its power. But he says, walk with wisdom but it's, you know, he is, he is suggesting to him, this isn't about world dominance for us. That's not the drive of our, our religion and faith. You know, the, the contrast that I had mentioned in the Last Supper is in Luke 22. He says, if you have a money bag, take it, a traveling bag or a sword. Uh, do this because the script, he says, do this because the scriptures say he was considered a criminal. And so he's saying, I'm giving these orders, but he says, you know, you have to, to step forward carefully because your leader was considered a criminal. What's going to be assumed of you? And so he's, he's declaring there is a, there's a conflict going on where good is, not going, or good is not going to be embraced by evil, no matter how nice you act. Evil is not committed to dying so that good can rise to life. You have to be aware of that. And when you take your message to the lost, you need to be aware that you are stepping into the enemy's turf. And so this stepping forward has to be done with a wisdom and a, and a cunning, if you will, that says, uh, I, have to, I have to know what God's calling me to in this. But also, he says, I want you to be as harmless as doves. I don't, I don't want you just overpowering. 
That's not, that, that's not the goal. We're talking about the kingdom of God and an eternal kingdom that will go on forever and ever. We know that Jesus will one day come back and establish his reign on this earth. But, you know, in the meantime, <laughs> there's some other things going on. Here's a future look. Watch out for people who will take you to court. He says, you, you've got to exercise a caution. You'll be dragged before rulers, kings, and Gentiles. So this is part of what's making me think this is a bigger declaration that he's giving that, that was just for the 12, but the writer has pulled these together and said, this is part of that outward goal and message. He says, you're going to speak to rulers. You're going to speak to the Gentiles. That'd be us. When someone arrests you, don't worry about what you'll say. Here's another principle he's laying down. He says, those kind of things are going to happen. Don't get all uptight over what's, you know, in, in his prep. But he just says, beware and acknowledge that the Spirit will give you the words that you need. What an incredible thing. That even though these terrible things take place, he says, the Spirit of God is going to be with you. And there will be things that you'll be declaring that you know didn't come out of you. It came from the Lord. I remember entering ministry in, and, uh, in St. Louis, or not, excuse me, in San Diego. I've been in a few years, but I remember having people come into my office and going, I don't have a clue what to say here. And yet having things come out of my mouth that I knew I hadn't trained for. And it was the first time that, you know, I, I was consciously aware, in a sense, of the presence of God giving me words to say that I knew I hadn't trained for. And you're just kind of going, I wish I could write this down. This sounds good. I, I, you know, this, this is a, a good moment, you know, and, and you're just going, what's going on here? Except that the presence of God gives what he's promised. And we have that hope each time we enter a conversation. And if we're willing to listen, there are words of life to speak. And this was part of the promise that Jesus was giving to us. It's amazing. Spirit of your Father will tell you what to say. He says, brothers and sisters will betray one another. Parents will betray their children. Children will turn against their parents. Everyone will hate you because of me. But if you remain faithful to the end, you'll be saved. He is putting this out there, and he's saying the very closest relationships that you have in life at times will be endangered because of your belief in me. And you may enter this time. Is that every time, everywhere? No, no. But he says this is a potential. The relationship that you have with Christ has a potential to, to step in even closer to you than what you have in regard to your family that you have had the closest ties with in life. And there are times when different ones of you have experienced similar things, that you, there's been a rejection simply because of your faith in Christ. You can't point to anything that you've done just to hack them off. It's just part of what's happened. 
And it's tragic. But Jesus is putting this out there and saying, don't be so surprised at such things. There is a conflict of good and evil that (laughs) comes out in ways that we don't want, we don't desire, but it's there, and he's saying this is a reality, be aware. He says, if you remain faithful until the end, you will be saved. People mistreat you in one town, hurry to another. Disciples are not better than their teacher. Slaves are not better than their master. If people call the head of the family Satan, what they're going to say about the rest of the family. So he does that teacher-student thing. He does the our disciple and, and leader. He does the uh, slave and master, and he does the father and child, or the, the family, head of the family. So he likens us to that and just says, if this is the way that Christ is treated, what do you anticipate for yourself? You can't separate yourself from that. You can't hope to just live so politely and so graciously that everybody sees it and understands and embraces. He says, live life with your eyes open. If the Son of God who came to die for our sins, who came to give us life, is put to death, what, what should the believer anticipate in relationship to others around them? Aren't you glad we're reading this chapter? Don't be afraid of anyone. <laughs> you know, we've, we've walked through all of that potential, and where does he take it? This is not to inspire fear. The awareness does not mean a fearful response of others. If you have enough confidence in God and his steadfastness, there's a knowledge that his goodness will prevail even in your life, no matter what happens in this temporal setting. It's an incredible thought. You know, to just to embrace this and say, well, yeah, that may be a part of my life, but I am not going to be ruled by this fear. Not going to let what others might do control my life. Not going to let it consume all my thinking. Whatever you say in the dark, you must tell in the light. So the whispers from God are not to be hidden for fear of what might take place. Rather, he's saying it needs to be proper. Proclaimed. Don't be afraid of people. They can kill you, but they cannot harm your soul. You should fear God who can destroy both your body and your soul in hell. So the only fear that we hold is the fear of God himself. You know, there's, there's a lot said about this. And, you know, why, why should we fear God? We're supposed to love God. And all. You know, I know there's that tension the truth is, the fear of God's kept me from a lot of junk. That's, I, I, I mean, I wish I was more noble than that, 
But there are times that I've stepped away from something or kept from doing something simply because fear of God. And quite honestly, it was a good thing. You know, so I I don't know the full ramifications of that. I don't pretend to. But I'd have to say on a personal level, it sure has paid off in, in certain respects. I mean, there are, there are times when you, you step away from evil, even though it, it's appealing in the moment, and you say, I do not want to mess this thing up. Or even it's the fear of the loss of his presence in your life. Or you just go, what I have is so sweet in God, I don't want to lose this. And so you make a right choice, even though you're going, I, I, I know what my flesh is craving, but... It's not for me. He says, aren't two sparrows sold for a penny? Your father knows when any of them falls to the ground. He says, about the cheapest things you can buy, cheapest living things that you can buy, he says, sold for a penny, two of them for a penny, not even one for a penny. Get the smallest coin you can think of, and then, you know, two are thrown in rather than one. He says, None of those die without God knowing how much more valuable are you. He says, even the hairs of your head are numbered. It's an amazing thought. Don't be afraid. You're worth much more than any sparrow. Don't think that I came to bring peace to earth. I came to bring trouble, not peace. He came to confront evil. He didn't come to just, you know... Step aside and be nice, but part of his coming was to challenge evil and to conquer. And so we are in this conflict, whether we want it or not. But to embrace it in the Lord is to say, what he has for me and what he has in relationship with me and what he has in store for me is better than anything temporal. And so I follow that path. And it goes back to this sons and daughters and fathers and, and, and mothers and all the rest. It says your worst enemies will be your own family. That's tragedy, but sometimes that happens. If you love your father or mother or even your sons or daughters more than me, you're not fit to be my disciples. Unless you're willing to take up your cross and come with me, you're not fit to be my disciples. So he just lays it out and says, there is no relationship more precious than your relationship with him. And that's what has to take first place. If you try to save your life, you'll lose it. If you give it up for me, you'll surely find it. Anyone who welcomes you welcomes me, and anyone who welcomes me also welcomes the one who sent me. He goes on and talks about taking care of a prophet or a good person or somebody even giving a cup of cold water. He says there's a blessing in it if it's done for the Lord. Incredible idea. He just says, nothing you do is gone unobserved. Nothing about your life is out of his care or his oversight. And so he's saying, even though I'm sending you out as innocents, and I'm sending you out uh, you know, with a, a harmless quality about you because you're wanting to do good, and it won't always be received, he's saying, I have in store good for your life, and I will keep oversight of you in all situations. As I started, 
much of what's going on in our country is such that there's a, a, a nervousness in our hearts because we haven't had this same kind of encounter before or these same, these same issues at this level, right? At least in our lifetime, it, it's new. And, and there's a question, well, how should we respond? And, and truthfully, um, not sure. You know, but there is this awareness that what we've tapped into is bigger than any storm going on locally or nationally or even worldwide. And so there is this constant hope in the steadfastness of our God. Last night I was, uh, I was sharing a little bit about his unchanging nature, but um, an illustration that I'll take from that and just put out there is that if you've ever been lost, um, as I have a number of times, particularly during this season of the year. Uh, I go out hunting, and I think I have a good sense of direction until I get out there. And uh, I, I've had situations where um, yeah, I messed up. And what I've tried to, what I've done to get myself out of the woods, so to speak, was to stick with the constants. You know, like the moon is, is pretty constant. So if I'm walking out at night and, and I've lost my sense of direction and I left the compass in the car, um, I, I followed the moon out of the woods, and it works. You know, it, it, uh, it held true for that evening. It wasn't wavering all over. And, uh, you know, and then there's nights when, again, the evening, not a good time to get lost, but you know, if that ridge is there, it, it's no different than when you went in. Now, the shadows are all different. The appearance of things, the, the trees that, you know, they don't look the same at night. But there are constants that you, you cling to. And, and in a case like this, our unchanging God is a marvelous thing to hang on to. The, the fact that he is always loving and always good, the fact that he has always been that way and always will be that way, is powerful. He's that ridge, so to speak, that you don't let go of. You know, shadows all around you might be different, but it's not changing. And so when we walk into things and we're looking and saying, I'm not sure what's going on here. Not sure what our economy is going to do. Not sure that our systems are going to hold up. Not sure what our politics are saying. Not sure what's going to happen worldwide. Not sure what's going to happen with others. There's a constant from our God that as we rely on him is unchanging. And so as we anchor in that, the fear of everything else around the chaos has no right to control us because of that loving Savior who will not change in his affection for our lives and his oversight of us. And so we walk with that confidence in day-to-day life, and we continue to speak of the goodness of God whether people are willing to hear it or not. 
and we take our gospel outdoors. And we don't just come here for a, an experience and then go home in a quiet and just say, well, it was wonderful to meet with God. No, we declare the praises of God wherever we are. We acknowledge his favor for humanity and his willingness to participate in every life. And we continue to take that message until he returns. We thank you for your scripture. We thank you for these passages that speak to us. Speak truth. Don't gloss over things. Don't hide things. Just lay it out there. We ask that you help us to apply that as we continue to speak the message of your kingdom. Amen. May your blessing rest on these, your people. May they know the fullness of favor that you intend for their lives. May they discover with joy the hope that is eternal in you. As I, I ask as each one goes into the community, that you'll give them words of life to speak. I ask that you'll enable them to carry out the workings of your kingdom. I ask that you'll enable them with the supernatural. May your word be declared boldly. May your name be lifted up throughout this area, we pray. Use us to further your kingdom, we ask. Amen. Amen. God bless.